Hello and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. I'm your host, Neve Brannigan, and we are currently in the middle of our brilliant annual film festival. We've had an amazing reception to loads of our films, including the shorts and documentaries, and I've seen loads of lovely faces at our industry events. But it's not over just yet. Tonight we are screening a feature documentary called North Circular by Luke McManus, which is on at 8pm in the Bertha Dock House. I think it might be sold out, but if you really want to come and see it, definitely still come down and see if there's any returns or no shows it's definitely going to be worth your while we also have war of the buttons which is on tomorrow at 1 p.m in the irish cultural center an absolute classic the white handkerchief is screening in riverside studios at 5 p.m which is also going to be featuring a live performance of some of the musical numbers so i think that's going to be a really really special evening but if you're closer to covent garden in the long now we'll be in the garden cinema at 6 p.m which is a special presentation of irish and international artists short films musical documentary about Paul Muldoon is on in the view Piccadilly at 7 p.m and of course our closing gala is Rosha August Frank at 8 p.m in Riverside Studios so if any of those tickle your fancy go and pop onto our website and get your tickets and we will see you tonight but for now sit back relax and enjoy Jerry catching up with Luke McManus ahead of his screening tonight of his feature documentary North Circular enjoy If you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience, consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits. Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation. Our mission is to promote the best new Irish film to audiences all over the UK and with the help of this podcast, the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discounted tickets for films and events, free access to Irish Film from Home films and invites to networking events and so much more. So check it out now. North Circular was commissioned under the Arts Council Ireland's popular Real Art Scheme, which gives artists and filmmakers a chunk of money to create a documentary under experimental or sometimes boundary pushing conditions. This scheme has resulted in lots of interesting creative documentary output, but North Circular seems a bit different to most of those that have come before. Um, so I'm joined by the film's director, uh, Luke McManus, today, and we're going to chat a little bit about what makes North Circular the film that it is. So, Luke, thank you very much for joining me. How are you? I am great. Yeah, very good form. Thanks. Good stuff. Good stuff. We saw each other briefly in Cork last month, didn't we? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Very briefly. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, it was a good festival at, uh, at Indie Cork. Um, but you've been like you've been all over the place with this film already, haven't you? We've done a bit. I mean, it's funny. I I thought we'd have gone a few more places at this stage, but actually next year is looking even busier for the film. So, yeah, we started in Dublin. Then we did Sheffield, which was really amazing, like just a brilliant festival. And to be going back to it the first year back. Yeah. And like it was always a big question for me. Could you make a film that's so much about a locality? that you're, I'm part of. I mean, I live on the North Circular Road, effectively. Yeah. And would it resonate with anyone outside of the Dublin 7 and Dublin 1, you know? Um, so going to Sheffield and getting the amazing feedback and the positivity and people got it, you know? So that was thrilling. And yeah. we did go and Loud, um, Indy Cork, and then London uh, on the 19th yeah. of November. Brilliant. And so audiences have 
like you were saying that people have, have responded to it like have people got it so to speak they really have like and I think I don't uh, it's amazing to make something that's so personal and so about your own mm. interests and obsessions and for other people to you know be into it like that was always the big fear was that I was just indulging myself and yeah, making some yeah. local film for local people about my own little obsessions and that it wouldn't resonate but I suppose a lot of the themes in the film are quite universal or certainly very commonplace you know so and I think the performances the pe the musicians I was fortunate enough to work with elevate the project so much that even if the the heavy themes don't resonate the performances do you know yeah yeah is is north circular road a place that you've lived on for a long time like are you really closely connected to it very much so yeah i mean i moved to stony batter in 97 and then shortly a couple of years after that i moved up to grange gorman which is the next neighborhood over right and both neighborhoods feature in the film so i'm about 20 doors down from the north circular but i grew up in bray and I was talking to my aunt in London. She lives in Greenwich. And uh, when I started this project, then she was like, well, you know, you're from there. And I was like, what? And she goes, your grandmother grew up on the North Circular Road. And I kind of heard something about that. So then I started digging into my own, that side of my family. And my grandmother, you know, my father grew up in Black Rock and they had a very middle class, pleasant life. But her early years were really tough in a, on the North Circular, father was a cattle dealer in the market in Stony Batter. One of the brothers was murdered in a street fight. Another brother killed himself after serving in the British Army. Like, that was really tough. There was poverty. Yeah. And then I looked up her address, you know, and it literally around the corner from the gaff, like, you know. So, it, 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 you know, of all the places, I'd sort of homed back into this. Yeah. And is it a coincidence? Probably, but. I don't know. It seems a big coincidence, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, yeah, there's something really, uh, really satisfying about coming full circle like that on a story, right? Definitely, like, and it kind of connected me into it. Because in a way, like, even though I've lived here for that long, I'm still a blow-in, you know? Um, so then to go, well, actually, my grandparents got married in Ockham Sea Church and my great-grandfather had a cattle yard where that mechanics is now and my grandmother lived in that building and in, in the basement flat with her seven siblings or whatever yeah, yeah. it sort of legitimized me a bit you know <laughs> it's sort of, right. you know and and but it also explained a lot of stuff about my family as well and like you know that kind of stuff and it just it, it just made me feel even more personally invested in the film and in the themes of the film you know so yeah like i, I mean People always thank the funders, you know, they're kind of go, yeah, we'll have to thank the Arts Council. And you do, because they did just give me this money and go, come back in a year and don't compromise, which is just amazing. Wow. They didn't meddle. There was, they had no interest in nudging me in a particular direction. Yeah. So just don't compromise and be true to yourself. And having that gift was, was pretty amazing because I, I was able to then do the film I wanted to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such an amazing scheme and like everyone who we've spoken to, who's been a part of real art, like all the work, I mean, the, the work that comes out of it every year is really interesting, but everyone says the same thing as you there. Like you just get so much creative freedom. If you, once you get the award, you, it's like you say, you go away and make your film and come back and 
it is what it is, you know. There's a lot of trust there. Totally. Yeah, and it's just a whole yeah. process you don't have to manage, you know, of commissioners and making sure you're ticking boxes and making sure they're happy. And, and that can suck up a lot of creative energy. Uh, now, I've been very lucky with the people I've worked with in TV and in Screen Ireland that, generally speaking, their contribution's been excellent. But you do see, particularly in TV docs, sometimes the signs of a, the heavy hand of editorial management just taking the taking the imagination and the edge out of things to the point of them being overly formatted and slightly bland, you know. So yeah, yeah, you know, to be able to do a black and white four or three film, you know, with a pretty languid pace, it was, you know, I come from a TV background, not an artist background or a film background. So, you know, I was really enjoying being able to express myself in in a different way, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, what was it made you decide like? this is the film I'm going to make. This is like, what was it about this place that made you feel it should be the subject of a, a feature documentary? Yeah, there's a million, there's so many answers. Like every time someone asks me this, I come up with a different answer and they're all true. I mean, I was I, living in the area, it always occurred to me just the resonant institutions and places that are linked by this road. It did always occur to me, wow, it's like the main street of Ireland in some way. And funny enough, there's a London connection because... The, there was a school of writers and historians in the 90s who really got into the psychological thing of London. Psychogeography, not a term I like, really, because it's very highfalutin sounding. But, uh -huh. you know, I'm thinking of, you know, Will Self did a good bit of it. Ian Sinclair wrote London Orbital, which is a yes. long yes. book about the ring road around London. I always thought that was a wonderful idea and I loved the book and the kind of layers that he was able to unpick mm. through it. And even people like Peter Ackroyd, who's more of a traditional historian, but he was really good on the kind of what the, the, the echoes into the contemporary from the streets and the history of those streets. So there is sort of a bit of a bit of a London connection. Mm. And, and then I did a film with Lancome for Cold Old Fire off their the title track of their first album yeah and i decided to do it in black and white four three and it was a funeral was the idea and I shot the funeral and i'd asked all the band to prepare a few words because i wanted to get like people's reactions sadness and i said you just speak about someone who you lost and then Rady pete said do you mind if i sing instead and i was like go for it and she just did this unbelievable solo Shannon's wow. performance. Thank God I had a sound man. At one stage I wasn't even going to bring a sound recorder to that shoot because it was I didn't think I was going to need any sound from it. And the power of that was so strong. So then I had these two things. I had a, I wanted to do North Circular Road, a journey along it, and I really wanted to do something else kind of with Lancome in that world, that aesthetic world. Mm. And then slowly the two projects started to converge. Yes, yeah. so you kind of got yeah. this thing of, okay, it's that project's subject matter, but it's this project's way of being or telling that story. Yeah. And that's how you end up with the film, basically. Brilliant. Did you bring any other, like, cinematic or artistic influences into the way that you approach that? Because there have been, there's films about places, you know, that all, and I think there's a, there's a sort of a range of the way that filmmakers and artists approach place on film but did you you know did you have any influences that you brought into it 
there was lots. We looked at lots. Like I had a little film club with John Murphy, the editor, and Paddy Jordan, the first cinematographer, and I'd forced them to watch films and then we'd talk about it on Zoom. And um, there was lots. I mean, funny enough, going back to the London connections, there was Patrick Keeler's stuff, which was part of that um, world of psychogeography. Now, his stuff is really austere and kind of, he's just monotoning this really dry, ironic script over shots. I kind of loved it, but yeah. it wasn't the film I wanted to make, but I, it did it did sort of influence a little bit, certainly, because he was great about, you take a shot of now and you talk about then. Um, and then we went right back, we watched Berlin Symphony of the Big, the big City, which was one of the early documentaries. Yeah. Um, I watched Rocky Road to Dublin again, massive influence on the film, literally a road in Dublin with folk music and politics and history. Yeah. <laughs> um, 16 mil black and white, Bargain Town, 1980s film about the keys, also a musical, also 16 mil black and white. Amazing film that's very underseen, overdue a revival in my view. Hmm. And then contemporary, When All Is Ruined Once Again by Keith Walsh, which is, and I think he worked with Jill Beardsworth, his partner on it. Absolutely amazing film. Uh, came out the same year as Thomas Reed. In any other year, I think it probably would have won the IFTA at a canter because I just thought it was spectacular. Um, portrait of South Galway. Uh, again, in monochrome, though very much widescreen. But that was a huge influence. And and all those guys, those kind of Pat Collins and Tiger Sullivan and Virgo Ward and Katrina Costello, like there's a whole school of creative, poetic, risk-taking documentarians in Ireland now. But the, the one thing I noticed about them all is that they tended to be very interested in the rural. Right, yeah. Kind of wild Ireland, you know, that kind of, that archetypal, you know, be it the Midlands or the West Coast or whatever. And they weren't urbanists particularly, you know. Right, um, yeah, yeah. Whereas I am very much, I'm a bit of a, a town mouse, you know. So I was like, I wonder, could I bring that aesthetic to the city, like, you know. And then there was Pavlikovsky who'd done Ida and Cold War, like amazing, luminous, beautiful films. Yeah. So Academy Ratio, black and white. And I thought, well, you know, these images that are being produced by these filmmakers in that form are so strong, like, so... Maybe I can just so there's a lot there's a lot that's probably a long answer. <laughs> I know, I mean, there's so much in there, but like it just shows how how much of a range of of approaches that there are to doing a film like this, you know, where you're trying to, you know, there's that cliche of like um, location as character kind of thing, but right. that's that's exactly what this is, right? Like it's you know you're you're painting a portrait when you're painting a portrait about people and um and other aspects of culture and life there, but it's all tied together by this sense of place and how you how you as a filmmaker choose to portray a sense of place is super important. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny. It's interesting you should say that, all right, because I've always, I've often started with locations. Yeah. Creative processes, you know. Like I did a short a long time ago. My first dramatic short was called Danger High Voltage and it was a sort of, it was just a kind of boy meets girl brief encounter type of project. But it was at Electric Picnic. And it kind of came out of me going to Electric Picnic and going, this would be a really interesting place to make a film, you know. Right, yes. Yeah. There's so much production value and the, and people are in this different zone when you go to a festival for two days. It's like 
the rules are over there and I'm over here all of a sudden, you know, for that weekend. So that started with, I want to make a film at Electric Picnic. And then it was like, well, what might that be? You know, and that's something I've found myself doing quite a bit. I did one about the Grand Canal recently before this, a short, another short. And I was like, okay, this is the Grand Canal. So what's that actually about? You know? Yeah. Um, and when you're making films on a low budget, having the thing there to shoot is kind of handy, you know, because you can't afford to build it or, you know, make it happen. So you're you're just standing on the shoulders of that reality the whole time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so, helpful. So, like, what I'm really curious to find out from you, Luke, is, like, you know, we've read a lot about North Circular as a film and, um, you know, looked at lots of reviews and, you know, seen the film ourselves and everything. But it, I'm always keen to figure out from an artist or filmmaker or director, like, what their interpretation is of what the film is about. Because, you know, to me, on the surface, it's a film about people in a place and i think you've used you've used certain aspects of their lives like and the one the one thing that ties them all together really well is the, the these folk music these songs that sort of describe parts of their history and parts of their culture and so on and so there's like there's things like that on the surface that you could describe about how the film flows and everything but like from your perspective what is it what what is it about or what is it for well, I'll tell you what it's not about first, maybe, is it's not about music. Um, because people, it's been called a music documentary, and I always push back against that. Because a music documentary suggests it's a documentary about music. Where, well, I prefer to call it a documentary musical, because the music is part of the storytelling. <laughs> yeah. So the music is about the film. The film isn't about the music. <laughs> so yeah. the music is just part of like your lens choice and your sound design and your casting. It's one of the weapons of the filmmaker to tell the stories. Yes. Okay. And I struggled a lot to come up with a simple answer to that question because the way the film structured there's eight chapters and each one has its own theme. You'll have like imperialism in chapter one in the Phoenix Park imperialism and war you know you get to stony batter and it's about revolution and the land league and yeah. you know the kind of you know pushing back against um against landlords the daily main sequence is all about religion and worship and congregation and communion so it has all these different things but i was showing it to a fella a very interesting fella called kieran aguera who's a, been around a lot he's a designer and he's kind of a brand consultant of all things but i was just showing him the film and he goes it's about community yeah and I sort of push back against that because it's just such a word that's overused. But then I realized he's at, his insight was absolutely correct because the one thing that ties everything together is the power of joining and of being with others and how that can help you overcome injustice and trauma and all of those things and yeah. how, how toxic loneliness can be. You know, you think of the guy in the squat who died, you know, he was isolated. You have Sean Otuma who's had huge trauma and challenges in his life, but he's out chatting to people on the street with his tin whistle and cracking a few jokes. And that's where he gets meaning from and that's where he gets validation and comfort. Yeah. And, you know, so, and you think of Bose, you think of Kelly Harrington, you think of the people playing music together, like the marching on the street. All of these things are these moments of public joy and of coming together yeah. and i guess 
the pandemic had a lot to do with putting that into sharp focus. You know, those opportun opportunity to do that was removed for two years. And this film was being made as that opportunity was returning. So I think we all understood the preciousness of that. Yeah. And going to the cinema, you know, is another, or a film festival is a brilliant example of that thing of how much more enjoyable something is when you're with other people enjoying it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I think that's that's spot on. Like, it's about, it's about community as much as it is about anything else. And, you know, all those stories of people, different as they are from each other and, like, from across the different sort of stratas of community or of society um, up and down the North Circular, the thing that does bring them together is a sense of how they how they live alongside each other, you know, and how they interact with each other. Totally. Like, and I always, and I, always, I love David Simon, you know, I love that Dickensian hierarchy of the city and, you know, the idea in my film that you have like the glittering citadels of finance and the massive obelisk of British power, but at the foot there's like Indian teenagers or there's in Mountjoy, there's Roma gypsies playing and there's addicts joining in, <laughs> you know, and it is just, you know, Uchter on the hair and effectively lives on the North Circular. In in my mind, the North Circular goes from the Phoenix Park to, to the mouth of the Liffey. That's the journey. Yeah. Um, so it is everyone, you know, and it's also a place everyone's been. Like everyone's been to Crow Park. Yeah. You know, everyone's driven to the airport. Everyone's, you know, gone to the zoo. Like, yeah. you know, I'd say if you took 10 random Irish people and said, have you been to any of these places? Seven of them would say yes. You know, so it's, it's kind of a national destination and the other thing that emerged as we were making the film was that the thing that we realized when making the team the, the teams when we laid them out is that it's the story of the city through history as well so you start with the domination of the british the song at the start is about parnell the struggle for yeah. emancipation you have the wellington monument you have a man in a kilt with bagpipes that kind of scottish culture you know it's still retained in the Irish army of today and as you move through all those things you get to the end and it's about the sort of emancipation of women and like Gemma and Kelly being these people who are able to live their lives on their terms without being too repressed by the patriarchy and right, yeah. just doing yeah, their yeah. thing you know like there's no male voices for the last 15 minutes of the film like once you get down to that end of the road it's Ellen Rowley Gemma Lisa O'Neill uh -huh. And, you know, you see Kelly, you, you're in the uh, Magdalene Laundry, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're in all these places. And even the people celebrating Kelly, a lot of them are women and we kind of focused on the women because, you know, it, it seemed like that is kind of where we're at in Ireland now. So it's, I, I, it's kind of optimistic film. It, I, I like to think it doesn't shy away from the, the trauma and the rough stuff. But it does yeah. sort of say we're not in such a bad place right now. You know, I think it's important people can, particularly documentary makers, can be very dour and kind of dismal about things. And, you know, I think it's an amazing place to be. And I think this is a happy time in Ireland, despite the challenges, the housing crisis and all these terrible things that are happening. Yeah. I don't think we're in that bad a place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's been there's been loads of progress in recent years, hasn't there? Like people like Kelly and... um you know, the Eighth Amendment and all this kind of stuff. There's there's loads of stuff that's been 
And it's actually a lot of it's been captured on film really effectively as well, hasn't it? It has. It has. Yeah, no, very much so. And like, it's stuff that I kind of, I was in college in the early 90s and Trinity was like, the students' union were getting taken to court by the the right wingers and threatened with imprisonment. And like, it was a real battle, like, and it was a real sense of the establishment was this, still this crippling conservative theocracy and I mean I think those days are over like I mean you get people saying oh no but they're still doing this and that but like all like the difference isn't it? it's it's you can't even begin to describe the difference between now and then yeah and what amazes what interests me about Kelly is that Kelly Harrington you know is this incredible person and her sexuality has not really ever been a thing that people talk about you know it's not like you know it's not what defines her you know, at all. I mean, the fact that she's from Portland Row is much more remarkable to people, right? Than the fact that she's gay, like you know, which, which for me is just such a sign of maturing society and a t- tolerant and inclusive place. You know, so yeah. you have to kind of appreciate that and go, it is good. So many good things have happened in this country, yeah, over the last twenty years that. You know, it's important not to be too downbeat about things because, you know, it is it is a wonderful, wonderful place, really. And uh, Dublin, like, one of the other ideas in the film is that thing of, uh, at the start, particularly, I think for a lot of the country, Dublin's the city between England and Ireland, you know? Right, like, yeah. You know, it has, it doesn't quite fit into the kind of, the green, green grass of home, sort of idea of Ireland and the amount of people who are in the British army from Dublin and the Protestant ascendancy and and the Protestant working classes, the Sean O'Casey people, you know, like a lot of them from English and Scottish backgrounds and, you know, English soldiers mixing with Irish working class people and marrying up and all that. And like, you know, the road links the Phoenix Park, which is almost like an idealised rural forest and hills and fields and lakes and by the end of it you're in this Dublin port industrial next stop Liverpool you know kind of machines and chimneys and smokestacks and a very non-Irish very kind of north of England yes yeah 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 quite like Belfast actually I suppose Belfast is similar in that way too but I just that stuff all interested me as well you know yeah yeah I mean yeah there's such a there's such a variety of of uh, of space within it there's a brilliant quote in the film that you use right at the end and like it really summed everything up so well for me where you said um, those in power write the history those who struggle write the songs that's such yeah, a I'm, powerful I'm, statement like yeah it's a misremembered quote <laughs> is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what I've decided to do is keep the mistake so <laughs> right. The fella who said its name was Frank Hart and Frank was Hart was a famous song collector and he's sort of he's from Chapel Izzard and he wrote a lot of songs as well. Girl from Cabra West is a song he wrote and and he was a big collector and a huge figure in the folk music tradition in Ireland. And what he actually said was those in power write the history, those who suffer write the songs. Right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I misremembered that as those who struggle write the songs, but I've stuck with it. Yeah, <laughs> because I feel it's better because the word struggle it means to suffer. If someone says, "How are you?" and I go, "Geez, I'm struggling," it means you're suffering. Yeah, but it also implies resistance. Yes, and 
back against it and the struggle, you know, yeah. the struggle is real. let's do this, you know? So it has a kind of, it's a better word for me because there's a sort of hint yeah. of defiance in it than just a hint of suffering. So I'm, I'm sticking with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, we should. It's, it is a really, really powerful quote, but like, you know, I know that it's, as you say, we shouldn't see North Circular as a music documentary, but I think that one of the things it really does well is it captures like I think we've talked a lot in, in recent weeks on on the podcast about about heritage and you know storytelling and kind of you know oral tradition I suppose in a way and right. even the fact of you making this film and capturing some of those performances in the cobblestone like that's that's a document now which keeps the oral keeps that part of that oral tradition and that folk tradition alive you're sort of you're protecting heritage with this film in lots of ways. Yeah, it's funny actually, We I, I spoke to the Irish Traditional Music Archive mm. and there was a good few performances that didn't make the cut. Right. And a lot of the performances, they were all heavily truncated because those songs have 17 bleeding verses, you know, so you, you, couldn't, you could only put about four songs in the film if you put them all in. Yeah. So it is going to get lodged into an archive and be like, there is all that stuff is going into the traditional music archive, which I, which is great. You know, it's really pleasing. Um, yeah, I think the thing about that style of music as well, well, obviously there's a massive richness of it in this community and that thing of the cobblestone, yeah. the, you know, the people, the cobblestones produced, you know, as a community center where they met each other, ye vagabonds, John Flynn, Landless, Lisa O'Neill, Lancome. I mean, it's yeah. extraordinary, really, you know, yeah. and there's more to go out of that world, I think as well, in terms of, of new, people taking on the mantle and then um the the narrative power of that song tradition you know they are stories about history and stories about the past and and it's also something that's a very contested slightly problematic thing in our current irish discourse culturally you know up the ra uh-huh. Like what does that mean? You know, like that's yeah. a kind of folky wolf tone song, right? Yeah, and, and like you know, when those footballers sang that song, yeah, it meant something else to them than it meant to me or to yeah. my parents, you know. And yeah. that's an interesting territory that we're in. And yeah, even yeah. like at one stage, I wanted to make a film about Comanche Black and Tans. I might still do it because actually, there's you know there is another film there called Rebel Songs about all these things. Yeah, because. Because that they they have so much different resonances, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See Alan Partridge doing Commit Your Black and Tans. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing, like it was just <laughs> so amazing. And um <laughs> and it was done so brilliantly, like. And uh but there was stuff here about that as well. Like a Sinn Feiner got elected in Waterford and he sang that song at the after party and people were all giving out. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like like I think songs have weight in this country, you know. Oh, they do. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, I'm listening to you say all that and my perspective of it is obviously like a little bit different because of where I come from. And like... Yeah, I was going to say, where are you from actually? So, so I'm from Fermanagh. And so like, okay. you know, air, I'm, I'm from South Fermanagh, so fairly rural, you know, like... I love around there, it's amazing. It's gorgeous, man. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate it more Um, having been away from it. Like, um, sure. it's a really beautiful tourist destination now in Fermanagh. So yeah, yeah. there's a lot of that going on. 
And this is your first feature doc as a director as well, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. So I've done Lonely Battle of Thomas Reed as a producer. Amazing yeah. project. Wonderful filmmakers, Fergal Ward and Tiger Sullivan. Really, really talented and unique characters. Uh-huh. And I, and that was a challenging process because I was a director by background and I was then a producer. And I found I kept reaching for my director's toolbox. Right, yeah. Of problems. And then I go, well, actually, that's not my gift. I can't do that. That's uh-huh. their couple. Uh, Fergal was the director, but the two of them work very closely together. Yeah. And then I sort of went, okay, well, what can I bring to the table on that project, you know? And part of it, my background as a TV, factual TV documentary maker, kind of had a f- quite a few air miles in the kind of world of telling the story and doing it in the right order and getting people engaged. Yeah. I kind of brought a little bit of that to the Thomas Reed table just to try and make sure that the narrative, that was what I decided I was going to do. I was going to be the guardian of the narrative. Right, and let them be as creative and expressive as possible, but to always keep a thread. Because I think you lose people otherwise if you just go too esoteric, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think, particularly over a feature length, I think you need something engaging. So a huge challenge in this film was we're telling loads of little stories, and is that going to feel satisfying and engaging? Yeah. And because it could have just, and some people have said it's not focused enough for them and they feel it's a bit too all over the place. Right, yeah. But for me, it's that thing of, like you walk down a street and you hear little snatches of conversation and you you clock faces. Yeah. And then you go and then the next person comes along and that was the kind of vibe. You know what I mean? It's Actually, here's a great one. I, I was just the other day, I, looked, I was on Google Maps I was like, I wonder how long it would take to walk from the Wellington Monument to Dublin Port yeah. via Fitzgerald. And I popped it in and it's about like 84 minutes and the film's 86 minutes. <laughs> Brilliant. So it's actually kind of a real-time journey, <laughs> which I just think there's there's something very beautiful about oh, that. So I was delighted. To that. Like, yeah, that's gorgeous. Isn't it? Like, isn't it? Yeah, so I was thrilled with that. Like, you know? Brilliant. Well, come here, Luke. We'll wrap it up there on that lovely, um, on that lovely note, which I think brings us back full circle to the end of our journey on North Circular Road. Can I do a plug? Of course you can. I'll do. I tell you, our nineteenth of November screening is sold out in Dockhouse. It is, um, which is so I can't flog tickets for that. Right. But I have added a second screening on November twentieth in Cambridge. Uh, in the Picture House at three p.m. And the tickets for that go on sale Monday. Great. And where can I, people I, get tickets for that? What's the what's the venue? You'll get it at Picture House, and you can also go to NorthCircle.ie. We'll have the links there in our social accounts. Brilliant. And I'm very lucky. The comedian Darrow Breen is hosting a Q and A with me after that screening. So Brilliant. That'll be a nice bit of bonus content. So Dara is doing a gig in the Cambridge that night, so he's kindly agreed to do a bit of a twenty minute chat with me after the screening. So excellent. After. Yeah. Come here, Luke. It's been lovely to chat to you. Let's keep in touch Thank because you. I think that there's, I think that it's not the last that we'll have seen of North Circular. Hopefully. Thanks a million. Thanks a lot, man. 
And that's it for this week's interview. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you to Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme. Myself and Jerry will be back with a brand new interview. See you then.